Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Happy New Year, everyone. And hello and welcome to this very first special edition of Don't Stop Us Now, where we explore and ask the experts to simply explain to us a typically complex topic, such as today's topic, artificial intelligence. We call these episodes our What Is Episodes, and we love your feedback because it's our first one, so please tell us if we should do more of them. Yeah, we're super excited to be exploring AI today, aren't we, Claire? We sure are. And you and I have recently had the great good fortune to meet some international AI or artificial intelligence experts, including the amazing Kriti Sharma, who you have already heard on our show previously, and also a wonderful lady and AI. AI expert by the name of Mari Johnson, whose episode we'll be launching soon. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. And I'm also looking forward to us demystifying AI today. Uh Uh-huh. And a heads up for after this episode, for anyone who wants their very own AI cheat sheet, where you can find a summary of the key aspects of AI that we cover today, and also some learning resources, just email us at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and we'll send you a copy. Too easy. So let's go ahead and dive in, shall we? Let's do it. Great. Well, today we're going to get to the bottom of what AI really means. And we'll look at the differences between AI, machine learning, and automation, for example. And we'll hear about some fantastic use cases for AI. And we'll find out whether our future is doom or gloom or actually pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And hear how you can stay relevant and keep up with the changes we'll see around us. Fantastic. So to get started, what actually is artificial intelligence or AI? Because we hear the term bandied around so much, don't we? We certainly do. We really liked Kriti Sharma's explanation now. It's actually really simple. It's intelligence in its forms, but just not necessarily always humans. And this includes technology that you're probably already using every day. If you've ever interacted with Siri or Alexa or used the autocorrects that can sometimes go wrong on your phone, you're using AI. If you have searched on Google and it gives you the top results, or when you type and it predicts the next few words, that is an AI algorithm making that decision. What's the next word is that you want to type? Also, if you have ever binge watched on cat videos on YouTube, it's an algorithm recommending the next cat video you should binge watch. It's machines that are making recommendations just like a human would, except for the fact that these algorithms can look at data from various sources for millions of transactions. And there are various forms that AI exists in self-learning machines that are learning from human interactions constantly. And there are more controlled learning experiments where uh, humans would teach the AI what's the next thing it should do. 
There are examples everywhere outside of our pure online lives, like, for example, self-driving cars, which are getting a lot of attention these days, and also some great applications in looking at identifying misinformation or fake news online, looking at cybersecurity or fraud-related challenges where AI can flag what's genuine and what's not. Okay, so it's actually been around in some form for years, if we think about Google search or YouTube, as Kriti mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And of course, AI, which is all about trying to simulate human thinking, relies on data and algorithms which enable it to do its job. So continuing to explore what AI actually is, you know, Greta, about machine learning. Yeah, Is it the same as AI? Well, good question, because they sometimes are used almost interchangeably. But machine learning is actually a subset of artificial intelligence. Okay. And certainly when AI is in the news these days, it's usually due to machine learning applications that are making the news. So IBM's Watson, for example, is a machine learning system. And what that means is it's trained primarily by data as opposed to to humans creating rules for it to adjust and change what it does. And so hence, because it can learn and change what it does itself from the data it's absorbing, that's why it's called machine learning. Okay, that makes sense. And alongside that's automation. Now, definitions vary, but it refers to anything that's automated. It can be following simple, repetitive rules, or it can be an intelligent, self-learning machine. So AI is actually a subset of automation. Right. And so you know all those chatbots we see when we visit websites? Yeah, yeah. They're like service ones. Some of them are intelligent and use machine learning over time, while others are just programmed to answer specific questions with a fixed answer, and they don't change or learn anything over time. Yeah, and they're funny because sometimes you can really tell, can't you? Because their answer will be sort of very set and actually doesn't answer your question at all, but it's like they're having a go anyway with their canned answer, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. One example, however, of a smart and learning bot or application is one Kriti Sharma created, and it's called Peg, and she created it for her company Sage, and they call it the world's first accounting chatbot. It's a great example of AI at work. An example of that is what created Sage Peg, where it can answer it has been able to successfully correctly answer over a million questions from users around the world around how to run their business when it's an overwhelming move for many entrepreneurs or young people. Like, how do I manage my accounts? What compl- what's compliance? How do I pay people? Like, all that kind of stuff. Or taxes. It's, it's quite overwhelming. And what's important to understand is the pace of learning or machine learning in these components. Day one, our service could get 50% of the questions right, which is like, okay, it's, you know, most of the humans don't know that 50% information in their head. But interestingly, in two weeks' time, it was over 70%. And now it's high 80s, early 90s. And that's really important to understand because the more these machines interact with us, the smarter they get, the better they learn what works and what doesn't work. People sometimes ask me, so when are we going to get to 100%? And it's like, I don't want to get to 100% because there's a lot of value in the human interaction too. And good design is when a machine is solving the problem that it's supposed to solve and then hand off to a human when it can't or when it shouldn't. And that decisioning is very important. It's also absolutely critical to be transparent to people when designing these bots. For instance, if you don't know whether you're talking to a machine or a human, that's not cool. 
I totally agree with Critty on the transparency thing. I think it's so important that we all know who or what we're dealing with, don't you? Yeah, it sure is. But how about how Peg has learned so much so quickly? It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. It really is much closer to having a conversation with a real human now. Mm. Which brings us to something Australian AI expert Mari Johnson has helped create. She calls it a digital human. Think of it like an avatar online. And she's called Nadia. Nadia has been created to allow people with all types of disabilities to successfully interact with it. And here's how it's different to a text chatbot. Yeah. Because you don't have to write your question. You can actually say it or you could even use sign language. Sign language. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So here's Mari. People will ask these questions in many, many different forms, not only because of their own needs and disabilities, but because of their own circumstances. They don't ask these questions in government speak. So the idea was to have this um, empathetic interface called Nadia available so people could ask it questions at any time and get very simple, straightforward answers in a way that really helped people navigate the system. Wow, that's a really clever use case, isn't it? Sure is. Opening up access to the web and replacing the need to have call centers, etc. Something that works whether you're deaf or blind, speech impaired, really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And that reminds me of another AI initiative, Critty Created, and actually has just been launched in South Africa. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's called Rainbow, and it's aimed at helping women suffering from domestic violence. It takes the form of an app that you message, And what they've found is that women are really opening up to Rainbow because they know it's not a human and they feel very safe being open. They know that they're not going to be judged. Yeah, right. Rainbow has the ability to have an empathetic conversation with them in writing and guide them to where they can actually seek support and help. Oh, that's fantastic. And we're hearing from Critty that, you know, it's having some really great results, even though it's early days. Yeah. So here we've started to explore a whole variety of use cases for AI when it's interacting with humans. And, you know, a key point, according to our experts, is that AI works best when you have really specific scenarios, just like Rainbow is very specific to domestic violence or PEG being very specific for accountants and Nadia being specific to people with disabilities and that that's how it works best rather than trying to create one application that's trying to be multiple things to different types of people as well. Yeah, that makes sense. But of course, as well as having AI to interact with humans in these kind of cases we've just explored, there's also AI is being used to give us new insights by studying vast amounts of data that a human couldn't possibly do themselves or it would take them a ridiculously long time. Here's Mari again. Obviously, there's many, many different applications of AI, right down, for example, to the geospatial mapping of the world with, with satellites brings about a whole bunch of data not previously available. So applying AI, for example, to fuel reserves. So where the fuel stored around the world, there has been work done to analyze the actual fuel reserves, the actual silos, and analyze the, the shadows to determine whether those fuel reserves are full or, or whatever. So some countries, some OPEC countries might say, we've got this much fuel reserves. 
And yet the AI, the algorithms that have analysed shadows, because they've had the data from the satellite imagery to actually determine real-time available fuel reserves around the world. So that level of transparency actually changes a whole lot of things. So that's sort of just another another example of how these algorithms applied in different contexts. So clearly there's so many positive new insights we'll get from AI's ability to digest vast quantities of data and learn as it goes. Yeah. I think this learning capability explains really why there's so much hype about it. I don't know about you, Greta, but it really feels like the hype is often doom and gloom. For sure. So it's really helpful to hear about tangible examples where AI can actually make a positive difference. Yeah, and I sort of sigh the big sigh of relief as well hearing about that because the good news is there are actually plenty of positive viewpoints on AI as well. I think Mari made a really great point to us when we were speaking to her that the media loves a negative and sensational headline. And so we're naturally seeing more of that doom and gloom side of things in the media because that's their territory, the negative stories. But she passionately believes, as does Critty, that when it comes to things like healthcare and education, AI has the power to really offer more people access to better services, so more people and better services simultaneously. And Mari's actually working on an AI coach for cardiac or heart health, and she's got plans to build an AI-powered reading coach for children and people who haven't learned to read. And I love how she's thinking about this. So I believe that AI democratizes access in a way not previously possible. So if we think about Nadia, if we think about the digital human cardiac coach, the digital human reading coach, this opens up access in a way not previously possible to those who have functional illiteracy, for example. And so it is so viscerally connected to our, our human outcomes that I actually believe it's a, it's a human right. I think the really exciting thing, as Mari says, is that an AI-powered coach can actually tailor its tutoring to exactly where the person is in terms of their learning. Yeah, it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. It, It could have some really serious impact. But moving on from all of the positives with AI, one serious concern that's worth us touching on here is the issue of ethics and bias. And Kriti has some very strong views on this. I'm not actually worried about robots stealing all our jobs or machines just killing us all and taking over the world. I am more concerned about the behaviors that technology or data can learn, the biases that it can learn from humans, from us to humans, and scale it and automate it and spread it to millions and billions of interactions. To give you an example, algorithms can learn sexist and racist behavior because they rely on historical data sets. For instance, there was a recent example where one of the large technology companies in the U.S. decided to shut down their AI algorithm that was doing recruitment and hiring because they realized it treats women less favorably than men for leadership positions. And that's because the algorithm is looking at historical data sets and it's learning to recognize certain behavior more than the other would the algorithm would start to assume that there's a certain kind of gender that's more successful in senior leadership positions. Despite whatever I've said about how clever AI is, it's not always that smart. It has blind spots and it can learn biases. And that's that's scary because whilst we talk a lot about the potential and 
when we talk about the issues and challenges, we get pulled into the conversations around the more Hollywood type scenarios, which are important, but I think they're more pressing issues to solve for right now. If you're looking at facial recognition algorithms, there's uh, research from MIT Media Lab that proved that these algorithms that detect people's faces being used in passport control or logging into your online computer systems, in certain cases, possibly surveillance. Those algorithms they have 35% error rate for darker-skinned women and 1% for white men. And the MIT research found that these algorithms could not recognize Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey. That really is extraordinary, isn't it, Claire? Yeah, it's actually quite disturbing. The key, of course, is what can we all do to prevent other examples of this bias being coded in? And what Critty says is each of us have to get used to asking our teams at work and who are working on AI, asking them, is there a chance there's bias or sexism or racism being inadvertently programmed in? She said it's so important that we make having those discussions the new normal. Plus, she says that having genuinely diverse teams working on projects is important too, which of course makes complete sense, and here she is. My teams have almost equal amounts of AI technologists and people who understand or who have experience of working in civil society, in legal professions, who are artists, creative writers. We have conversation designers in my team. Whilst machines are good at automating things, they're not so good at creativity or emotional intelligence and empathy. So realizing that there are all these opportunities available to people who want to work in AI technology field, and it's equally important, just as important as my job. So it's very critical that we have people with those different backgrounds and experiences who get involved. It's very important for organizations to have an understanding of these issues and things that can go wrong, that a human hiring manager is not allowed to discriminate on the basis of gender, yet an AI can somehow get away with it and become above the law because we haven't put the systems and processes in place to handle that. So it's very important that we get the right systems and the right policy framework in place. In some cases, governments need to get involved. This work of ethics in and around how AI is used is so important, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it really is crucial. I was also thinking it's fascinating to hear about these new roles, isn't it? Yeah, I'd never really thought about the job of a conversational designer before we spoke with Critty and Mari. I know, I know, really fascinating. And what I've had the realisation is this fact that you don't need to be into coding or algorithms to be able to work in the AI field. You already have these different types of roles. And in fact, Mari actually mentioned a few other skills that will be needed in future as well. I think psychologists are going to be one of the most sought-after skill sets around, probably even more so than the actual coding, because the psychologist will bring a very interesting dimension to design and the way in which you know, design interacts with the human psyche. And when we were doing Nadia, we had personality design workshops. Who would have thought? Like, you don't design a personality for a, um, an online application. So what are the various elements that you need to do in designing a personality and so definitely we had psychologists involved in that but the co-design meant that what does the community want and how does this new being this new digital being represent your organization or your brand 
So a digital human personality designer, I think, is going to be quite an interesting role. It's really fascinating, isn't it? These completely new world jobs that haven't actually even existed before. Yeah. That leads me to think about the jobs that may be under threat as a result of AI. But actually what Criddy says is that it's the wrong way to think about it. We need to just think about specific activities at a more granular level. And hopefully that will mean that the really dull parts of jobs will disappear. Here, here, I hope so. Actually, there was an interesting report released earlier this year or last year by Pricewaterhouse, which agrees with numerous other sources that AI is likely to create as many new types of jobs as it will replace. And it also touched on the type of skills people who work with AI systems will need. And I thought it was really interesting, so I'll just read a bit. It says, AI savvy employees won't just need to know how to choose the right algorithm and feed data into an AI model. They'll also have to know how to interpret the results. They'll need to know when to let the algorithm decide and when to step in themselves. Yeah, that's really crucial, isn't it? That's the human bit. Yeah, it's deeply important. What are those appropriate times for AI and what decisions should just be left to humans? Exactly. The skills of judgment, complex decision-making, emotional intelligence and creativity, I think, will be even more crucial than they actually are today. So interestingly, for organisations... Where we're heading is that not all organizations will need to build their own AI systems or models, right? which is a good thing. I'm sure many people in organizations are thinking, few. <laughs> Already, there are numerous open source machine learning platforms that organizations can use to crunch their data for them. And then, of course, there's the commercial platforms too, like Watson. Over time, they'll get easier and easier to access. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think it's timely now to explore how each of us can future-proof our own careers and, you know, what the key message from Mari and Criddy has been is that the future is all about lifelong learning. We all are going to need to read and learn little bits as we go along. It doesn't have to be daunting amounts at any one time. Here's a few suggestions from our AI experts. And don't worry if you haven't got a pen handy, we'll put the recommendations on our show notes page. And also in our cheat sheet. Perfect. I love what the MIT Media Lab do. I read everything that they publish. It's obsessed with it because they cover breakthroughs in technology, but also impact on society because they have the Civic Media Institute. Yeah. They publish a lot of work on ethics of AI as well. But I would say if you want to deepen your understanding, we follow one of those research labs or groups because they continuously keep people updated. What I've always said to people is continue to read and learn. You know, either formally or informally, there is so many phenomenal free resources, even the TED Talks, all the online courses that you can actually do, soak it up as much as you can. There is no excuse actually for not doing that, little bits at a time. That would be the first thing that I would say. Try to build diversity into your work experience and into your into your life. And you don't have to do all of these things at once. I mean, I know the time impact of raising a family, doing all that. Now I've got to do all this other stuff, right? And so understand that you can do some of these things at different points in your life. You don't have to do everything together. Great advice there from both Criddy and Mari. And Mari actually also mentioned this 
really interesting book on AI that was published last September called AI Superpowers and how she found it really fascinating to contrast how the US and China are doing AI. Yeah, that's right. I remember now. So we'll link to it on our show notes page. Fantastic. Well, we've covered a lot of territory today. We sure have. We've explored what AI is and seen all kinds of different types of use cases. And we've looked at the positives as well as the downsides of what AI offers, particularly the challenge of avoiding coding, having bias or racism uh, hard-coded in. And we've thought about how to future-proof yourself and learn that you don't have to be a coder to work in AI, from psychologists to communications folk who become conversation designers. There are numerous and diverse skills required to be successful. So should the topic of AI crop up at your next dinner party, we hope this episode has helped make you one of the most dazzling conversation participants. Bound to have. (laughs) And a huge thank you to our AI experts, Kriti Sharma and Mari Johnson, for their amazing insights and expertise. Hear, hear. You can read more about them on our show notes page for this episode. Well, that's this episode on What is AI Done and Dusted. Woohoo! As we said at the start, email us at hello at don'tstopusnow.co if you'd like our free cheat sheet on AI. And please tell us if you found this episode useful. Should we do another one? You know where to find us. So bye from me. Ciao for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.